0: oklahoma business down in el reno they're also in bethany as well so people in the bethany area know the diffies really well but if you're looking for anything new used um ford lincoln or whatever i'm sure they could find anything you want um check them out DiffyFord.net, and then on instagram at diffieford lincoln This podcast is brought to you by the Oklahoma Beef Council. On behalf of Oklahoma's 50,000 beef farming and ranching families, we are working hard every day to bring high-quality beef to your table. To learn more, visit oklabeef.org. That's oklabeef.org, linked below. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of uh, This Is Oklahoma. Mike Hohn here, host, back with another episode down at the Department of Agriculture today, uh, returning here. It was funny too, when I checked in. It was like, oh, you're returning. Welcome. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's nice. Uh, last time I came down here was, uh, let's see, it was August of 2020, uh, and we did a podcast together. So it gives me great pleasure to reintroduce uh, Secretary Blaine Arthur to the podcast, Thanks so much for having me.
1: Well, thanks for coming back again. We uh, Time sneaks away. I can't believe that it's been that long ago, but just look forward to visiting here this morning. Isn't that crazy,
0: right? Three it years. Is. It is. Three years has gone by super fast. Uh, August, uh, yeah, I think the episode was episode 197, uh, August the 5th, 2020 is when it went out. So I'll link that for people in the description who haven't heard that. They can go back and listen to kind of like your origin story and kind of okay. what we discovered during that episode of you know how you get started, what your, um, you know, Growing up in Stillwater, living in Stillwater, and I think I remember you driving a giant red Dually to. to That's, right. Is that That's right. That's a perfect
1: memory. Yeah, yes, I that remember is right. that. I thought that was
0: really funny. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll link that below for people listening. Uh, today we're just going to kind of catch up on what's happened the last three years. You've been in the okay. position four years. So your fourth year now. Yeah. Um, obviously, ag is a huge business in Oklahoma. It is. And, it is. Um, I've learned so much with my partnership with the Oklahoma Beef Council and met some amazing farmers and ranchers and. Um, you know, I, I'm never, ever going to work that hard in my entire life. <laughs> I don't think anybody can work that hard other than the people who are in ag. Um, and you just don't understand it. Uh, people just don't believe how hard it is. It's incredible, the work that people do. Uh, and just to put food on the table, um, It's it, it, you know, it's I've been super grateful. And I've realized so much, uh, I have so much more appreciation for the food that I eat now Um because of being out and, you know, being on farms and ranches and talking to people. And they're like, yeah, get up with- you know, four o'clock every morning. Right. You know, like, right. And then go to work. <laughs> yes. You know, like yes. some of these families are working full time jobs as well. So it's been awesome. Um, but about yourself, three years, I mean, what what are the big things, I guess, that have happened in the last three years other than COVID? Because obviously that was pretty big. But right. as far as like the ag industry business, what's that been like?
1: Well, ag, there's been a lot of goods. Uh, but as with anything in agriculture, there have been some challenging pieces too. Um, something that we're glad we're kind of starting to be on the other side of is we had six. Serious, serious drought um, here in Oklahoma. So, kind of if you go from April of 23 and then you scroll back about 18 months, uh, severe, extreme drought across all 77 counties. And um, as you can imagine, that impacts everyone in the ag sector. It doesn't matter if you're raising cattle or raising wheat or raising cotton. Um, We were, you know, hauling in hay from, if you could find it, our beef cattle producers were hauling in hay from all across the United States, uh, trying to on, uh, you know, to hope that it would rain. And so we were very thankful, of course, that it started raining uh, in about May of this year, but a very challenging time for producers to try to decide um, what they wanted to do long term. Um, As you'd mentioned, uh, being in production ag is challenging. And we had a lot specifically of our cattle producers um, who were saying, okay, this is maybe one of the last uh, drought situations that I want to navigate through. And so I'm going to liquidate my herd and I'm going to, call it uh, quits on cattle production. And uh, that's certainly something that concerns us. Um, we want as many producers out there as we can possibly have. So uh, certainly that uh, was very, very challenging of ev- for everyone in the ag industry.
0: Yeah. Is um, is it coming like, obviously agri- agriculture is quite a generational business. Is it getting to a point now, do you see it speeding up that people are getting to a point where like, you know what? my son or daughter doesn't want to do this, I'm selling and it's going to be a housing development or whatever it's going to be. Is that more common now?
1: It it is. And it's something that we worry about a lot uh, because, you know, the average age of our producer and you will, you can get different numbers, but uh, you know, 65, 66 is the average age of our producers. Um, And you can see why some of these kids, they've worked on the family farm Uh, growing up, they go to college and they say, okay, I can either work 80 hours a week um, and, you know, maybe not find Financially benefit that much, or I've got this education now, I can go have more of a typical eight to five job, maybe live in a more urban area. More I mean, they're making these decisions because they've seen their parents and grandparents kind of navigate through those challenging times, and um, then that, of course, uh, provides challenges in rural parts of the state. A lot of our uh, folks who live in rural areas decide that uh, they maybe want to move to a more urban area, uh, but then just farmers in general, um, as we've had kind of this suburban urban sprawl, uh, folks say, well, I want to have, you know, a house in three acres, right? So it starts taking up ag land um, and you can't hardly blame the producer because they look at the financial opportunity there um, as opposed to producing food. So that's something we're all um, trying to think thoughtfully about how we can kind of preserve that farmland uh, because we need somewhere to grow everybody's food. Um, and so that's a challenge. And not, that's not just an Oklahoma specific challenge. Sure. That's really across yeah, the yeah, United yeah. States. So, yeah.
0: I figured that was kind of a, like I said, it's not just Oklahoma. Um, I mean, how, how do you go about like combating that? I mean, I know Oklahoma's got a great FFA program. I think we spoke about that, and a, a lot of people who I've had on the podcast have gone through that and spoken about it that are ag related. Is that is it? I mean, is that where it starts?
1: You know, I think certainly our 4-H and FFA program are a huge piece of that, uh, but I think as an ag community, what we have tried to do is start changing the conversation. Uh, so instead of, I think, once upon a time, we had lots of folks who were telling their kids, we don't want you to have to come back to this, right? We want you to look for other opportunities. It's trying to change the conversation and say, hey, you know, you can bring more technology to the farm or um, you can come back to the farm. But now, because hopefully we have real broadband, maybe you're spec- is able to telework and what a wonderful life to have for your family you know that's certainly my husband and I live east of Stillwater and um, our kids go to a real small school and we love that way of life for our family and so I think we're trying to change the conversation about it is hard work but there's no better way to raise your kids than on an ag operation.
0: Yeah, I I mean, just seeing it and the people I've spoken to it you know, for me, growing up in the UK we didn't have much land, right? And there's a lot yeah. of farming land in the UK but it you know, and, and in Wales specifically, but it's generally in the middle of Wales in the mountains. The populated areas are quite dense and you know, your kind of footprint as a house is not as much as your standard, you know, quarter acre lot here, it's a lot less, right? Um, So for me, like the dream, you know, is is just having some land, waking up in the morning on a back porch and just watching the sunrise and set, right? Like, but for you, that's a daily occurrence. It it is, you know,
1: I feel, I of course stay very busy with my job and I love it, but Mm -hmm. I, um, some of my favorite parts of the day, so our, we live in the country and my kids show cattle, but um, they're old enough now that they can go to the barn and don't, I don't have to go with them. So I can be making dinner. And I can see, you know, out the window on our front porch yeah. to the barn, and the kids can come, you know, running back across right. there. And I think, you know, what a better life is there uh, than what we have right here. So yeah,
0: it's um and, and the other thing that uh, comes to mind too is Cord McCoy was on the podcast recently, and he talked about how kind of humbling um, the ag industry is in general. And you know, he, he talked about. Um, just, you know, obviously he's a bull rider and has won amazing things, but he's like, you wake the next day and you go to the farm and, and, and the cow don't care who you are, right? right? And he <laughs> talks about how humbling that was, but also the way that you're teaching your kids that. And also, you know, kids are going to have chores growing up your yes. kids' chores are just a little different than other kids' For sure. chores, right? For sure. So uh, It's
1: it's funny you say that, my kids, so we, again, they do show cattle, so at the end of the evening you got to clean out the barn and clean out, and so I, when I am out there helping them, you know, my daughter the other evening she was like, yeah, you're not really so fancy now, are you mom? You're just pushing the wheelbarrow out of the barn. So it is, it's a reminder that we're yeah. all, you know, put our pants on the same way in the morning every single day and mm-hmm. ag, and in an ag operation everybody has to help, yeah. you know, no one is too um important or uh gets you know the chores have to get done no mm-hmm. matter who has to chip in to make them happen.
0: Yeah. When we spoke three years ago you 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 mentioned your kids and and I mentioned it again today that they're big into showing cattle and and it's just something that they love to do. How has that evolved, you know, as they've grown older and gotten into it and and it seems like a massive industry as well.
1: You know it is and it's something uh we've really uh grown here in the state of Oklahoma mm-hmm. um and our Oklahoma kids are at national levels, which Oklahoma is so very proud of. Um, The great thing that we love about the show cattle industry, and I think what's been interesting to watch our children, and especially my son, he's the older of the two, is now he started taking interest in uh, kind of the breeding side and the genetic side and making those selections and really thinking about, okay, if our end goal is this, what decisions are we making today, Uh, you know, to hopefully have cows that will do X, Y, Z down the road. And then that's, Starts bringing in, you know, things that he learned at school on science and technology and financial planning, and um, you know that probably uh, for the kids is maybe the most interesting because when it comes the time of year to sell calves, and they're like, yeah, look at all this money, mom, and I'm like, okay, now remember, let's look at you know hay cost, feed cost, you know, you got you pay your dad to run these cows because your year, and they're like, well, then we don't have any money left. <laughs> I was like, that's that's how finances work, so you've got to think about that. So certainly been interesting to to see them kind of understand all the pieces and really ultimately why I like the show industry is kids are thinking about, um, they're showing, but they're also realizing whether it's, um, you know, beef, hogs, sheep, uh, goats, we're raising protein to feed people around the world. Um, and that we do an ex- excellent job of, uh, being good herdsmen and taking care of our animals, but with the ultimate goal of that's going to be on somebody's plate someday. Mm-hmm. I mean, our, we always have beef in the freezer, um, at our house in the garage, but that's beef that was raised on, our place and making that connection I think is really important
0: yeah there's so many values there isn't it and and it's you know I I remember there's a video somewhere of like a kid getting his first paycheck and he's like, wait, I got paid this. Why do I only have that? <laughs> right. You know, and it's like, that's tax, kid. Right. <laughs> you know, welcome to the real world. Yes. And it's the same for you, right? You, you go through that with your kid. Like, this is all we spent to raise and this is what we sold the animal for. Like, yes, you know, and, and you, you know, especially learning that at a young age. And it doesn't matter if, if, if your kids go into the ag industry at all. Like, that's v- valuable stuff that they're learning as a kid growing up. You know, that money and, and paying things and like generally most kids who grow up urban don't grow up like that, right? Who grow up, sorry, in, you know, in the city mm. don't really grow up like that. For sure, those for sure. It's right. just
1: kind of that business model that they see and that, that hopefully, you know, later in life, they start thinking about, okay, I do need to save uh, to get here. I do want to do this. Or or do I need to change my production practices? You know, mm-hmm. if I'm not making enough profit, what decisions do I make differently yeah. to hopefully make more money in the long run? Mm-hmm.
0: I had, you mentioned um, genetics. I had uh, two ladies from uh, OSU Meat Science on a podcast a couple of months ago, went up in, up to Stillwater to see their facility and everything were Doing. I was again fascinated. I didn't think there was that yes. much involved in what yes. they do, and it's amazing the way that they're doing and, and meat judging. I had no idea that that was a thing. Right, um, right. Again, another fascinating industry <laughs> in a fascinating world. And you know, these, these two ladies, are, you know, both doctors of, of can't remember what they do specifically, but they're doctors. I um, like, you two if like you really know your things like it's
1: they're they're pretty impressive and i um interestingly i back in high school i was on the meat judging team yeah. um and i never i certainly not as tuned up on it uh as i was back then but then as um some of as your career progresses it's interesting because on occasion then i may be back mm-hmm. in a facility and they're like yes look at this yield grade here and you're like oh let me make my brain work really hard to try to remember that but to your point um You know, I think a lot of consumers, you know, they may be buying beef at the grocery store and not thinking about all of this data that is utilized to get that product and how much progress we have made in the beef industry because of genetic selection. And uh, then on the other side of it, our meat scientists, you know, developing different cuts of beef and how can we use those better uh, for us moms that are cooking them at home. So lots and lots of science uh, that's um, producing an exceptional product Um, um, that gets better and better um, all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I asked, and I asked you the same question later. You know what? What their favorite cut of me was, and they, you know, mostly it's ribeye, uh, and, and it's just one word answer, and the. Two ladies went into significant detail of like, okay, this is the P, you got to get it this way. This is how you cut it. It's like, wow, anatomy <laughs> class right that. here. Yes. Uh, kind of on the, on the kind of same par as as education, obviously with those you meet science and everything they're doing up there. What is it like for your job and the position that you have as far as like? you know, improving education, leading education, obviously still water and you know, and agriculture is, is kind of the best in the state. What is that like for you and just your role as secretary and how do you push, you know, funding and, and just make sure that these people have enough of what they do, and we can be the best at it.
1: You know, I think that's um, certainly a priority for me, and uh, the state legislature has been very good to higher ed uh, the past few years, which is great. But when we talk about the ag side of that and why that research funding is so important, uh, you know, so that we've got those faculty members and staff members uh, to be doing that work, because the unique thing uh, when we talk about our land grant universities is they do that research, but then there's the extension of the research, you know, so that goes out. To producers, whether we're talking about the beef side or, you know, we have a tremendous wheat improvement team at Oklahoma State University. So over 50 percent of the acres uh, that are planted in wheat in Oklahoma, those wheat varieties were developed at Oklahoma State. And then we typically run stalkers on that wheat uh, in the fall and wintertime here in Oklahoma. So they're doing that research. And I think sometimes for a consumer, you don't think about that. There are these people at a university every day doing all this research. Why does that matter? Well, because then you've got this product that you get to buy at the grocery store every day that we're helping producers be profitable, but also providing a better product in the grocery store. Um, And we've got just some exceptional folks that, um, you know, learn new things every day find out new things and then they're pushing it out the door through cool. extension to say hey this is how it makes your life better and yeah. it's pretty amazing mm-hmm.
0: yeah and selfishly i'm a golfer so i love the grass that they come out, of, know, the out of the turf yes, grass yes that's right
1: that's exactly so right good.
0: uh because i'm terrible at yard work and like, <laughs> the, the, the less stress and easier i can make my yard greener and then you know like i'm They're they're doing great things. Agreed. Um, Agreed. There's a lot of stuff coming out there. And I've only got to know about that because of my friends who are graduates of OSU that have great looking yards. And they're like, you have to use this stuff. It's just the water. I'm like,
1: all right, cool. there you go, I I and will. it works. Yes, it works, and it works
0: very well. It makes me look like <laughs> you know, it's like that kind of alpha male dad. You know, like my yard's better than the next door neighbor situation. <laughs> right. It's almost cheating. Master gardener, right? Uh, your master gardener. That's brilliant. So, kind of coming uh, to you know, you, you talked about um, the kids showing cattle, and that's obviously super busy, and they're very into it. Your, your daughter and your son are into it. What's that like as a mother, being like managing everything that you do in the position that you're in, but also being like you know the position you're in, you can never swing. You know and be like, oh, look at me, I'm the secretary, I'm going to get this right. It never happens, especially no. in Ag. It's never going to happen. No, right? no You know, again, it's completely humbling, and, and everyone, you know, just the the cowboy code and the general way that farmers and ranchers are handshake business. Yes. Like, you know that it's not something you're going to do. But what i'm saying is like oh i'm asking is how is it as a mother just being in that position and watching the kids succeed watching them fail and and learning like that and maybe trying to hold back a
1: little bit. It is, you know, it's one of um, my favorite things to do, but also one of the most challenging things to do too, because to your point, the kids put in lots of work um, and certainly get lots of help too, you know, from our from our 4-H educators to our ag teachers to just folks um, who the great thing about the show industry is it's very much a community, right? And so you see kids helping each other, but, um, you know, we they have had success, but they also have failures and that is... hard As a mom, right, that's hard to stand ringside um, and see your kiddos have that happen. And there's and we all see that. I mean, there's I think it's for folks who have an experience kind of the show industry. um, You see kiddos walking out of the show ring sometimes with tears in their eyes. um, And that might be from success or that might be from disappointment. But to me that's why it's so great because then as a mom and as a parent I talk about okay we always learn a lot more when we don't do well than when we do well um and that's just real life you're gonna you know you're gonna interview for jobs that you don't get um you're gonna you know maybe date someone that breaks up with you you're gonna I mean just in life you have ups and downs and it's how do you develop the tools as an individual to navigate through those um and some of those are tough you know some of those are really tough especially I think when we talk about the market animals, so those shows that are terminal type shows, for those animals, like that's their last show, right? So that's the end of it. Our, our heifers, or the female side of things, we can always say, well, we'll go home and make her a cow. Um, but it's it's part of, and I I think I. Th- so many of i'm hopeful that my kids will be but so many of those kids are just more resilient as adults uh, because they've had some pretty bumpy things sometimes through the show industry because um, you know i think about kids showing hogs there's you know it, weight limits on those animals. i mean if your hog weighs out by one pound that's it. Do you know, like go back to the barn. You don't get to show all your time and work like that's it. So real life scenarios. Uh, but I think that's, we're just building really good kids. I think in the show barns, um, mm-hmm. which I think all of us uh, should be proud of.
0: Yeah, definitely. The other thing that um, kind of touched on there as well is, you know, the, the, the animal life is very short, right. And, and, and kids and, and ag industry generally is aware of, I don't want to say death is a bad thing, but it's aware of, you know, animals being, fee, you know, becoming feed, right. steaks, or whatever right. it is, right? And and the previous guest made a great point um, saying that, you know, and he, he was kind of talking around his faith and that, quote, city people don't see death as much. Agreed, right? agreed. So it agreed. really affects, you know, when a grandparent passes or a parent passes or, you know, under whatever circumstances there is death in the family, it's hit... It hits the city, quote, city people, myself, <laughs> harder than it would if you're in the yeah. ag industry because you're around. And I never thought about it that way.
1: Oh, I, I right. and the kids so, now
0: see it all the time. They're I, aware I of
1: it. Totally agree with that. Um, and I think you know, on the faith part, I, you have to have a strong faith to be in agriculture. Right. Do you know what I mean? And and two, I think it reminds us kind of on a daily basis. I mean, just like when a new baby calf is born. Do you know what I mean? Like it's. Uh, but and then conversely, sometimes in the livestock industry, we do all the right things, and sometimes it doesn't work. Do you know what I mean? We have things like that happen. But do you, my my kids have seen that and we've cried I mean we as adults cry about it right like it's disappointing um, but it's that is kind of the circle of life a little bit and it's up close and personal um and two they when we talk about animals that are uh, being utilized for the food supply chain they know that's their purpose um but they also know that we as livestock producers are doing everything that we possibly can to be the best stewards of those resources that Mm -hmm. at our house we believe that god has provided to us to help feed everyone Mm
0: -hmm. yeah no i totally agree and that's you know it's kind of the same point um that, that the previous guest made is just, I just never looked at it like that. I'm like, you're totally right. Yeah. It makes so much sense that way. Um, moving on present day, what, what what are you working on at the moment? What's kind of top of mind for, you know, on the emails and on the on the desk, yes. the do, you know, documents at the moment? <laughs> you're obviously super busy, um, uh, you know, as well as being a mum and, and, and helping, you know, the kids and, and also, I mean, running a ranch and a farm yourself. Uh, what's, what's like daily... Um, Secretary of Agriculture life like? (laughs) Well,
1: lots of things going on. Something that we're really pretty excited about is we have seen a lot of interest uh, in the international space uh, for Oklahoma ag products. Um, So that could be everything from beef, wheat to soybeans, pecans, our value-added products, like our Made in Oklahoma branded products. Um, I was able to, I traveled to Indonesia um, this summer for a few weeks, which was very interesting. Um, Learned a lot there on kind of an ag trade mission Um, um, we had um, uh, the ambassador from Bahrain uh, that was in town and met with us yesterday. We have Uruguay next week. It's this uh, kind of the global um, food network um, and folks realizing uh, that uh, food security is national security, um, right? And we produce a lot of things here in the United States uh, that they need other places around the world um, and to, um certainly with what we've seen going on with Ukraine In russia Mm -hmm. Um, that has changed a lot of the dynamics for folks and so making sure that we have uh, those free trade agreements in place Mm -hmm. uh, but also reliable uh, place to do business and why the international trade is so important to us from oklahoma perspective because i know lots Mm -hmm. of folks think blaine we got all kinds of things here why do we need to worry about you know global markets So I, you know, specifically we think about, uh, let's think about the beef side. Here in Oklahoma, we don't eat a lot of beef tongue like as a general rule. You know, there's a whole variety of cuts that come from a beef carcass, but there's lots of places around the world that that's a delicacy. So we need to make sure to be accessing those markets on the poultry side. um, You know, we don't do a lot of paws, which are the feet, but in the Asian market, there's huge opportunity for that. So that global trade increase at the end of the day increases the value um, of each animal uh, for our producers here, but there's a lot that comes into discussions about um uh, markets and trade and uh, we always want it to be beneficial for both countries so we have spent a lot of time in that space which I would not have guessed before if you'd asked right. me when I started yeah. this will we will be traveling around talking about international trade I'd probably said no probably not Mike but um, and it's exciting too because I think it makes us proud as Oklahoma ag producers that people do want our products mm-hmm. uh, from the state of Oklahoma and we want to see um, our businesses thrive as well
0: yeah well it's extra opportunity right for the, for the farmers and ranchers that you know I don't know what they've been doing with the tongues and feet up until that point, but I'm sure they haven't been selling them across the world. Right.
1: And so it's just you different uh, groups of folks in the world have different preferences uh, for what they have at their dinner table. And if we can provide that somewhere and it's a profitable opportunity, um, then it's a win all the way around.
0: Yeah. What was uh, Indonesia like?
1: Uh, It was very interesting. Uh, First of all, it takes a really long time to get to (laughs) Indonesia uh, from Oklahoma Uh, it was about 21 hours of flight time. Uh-huh. Uh, so went to Denver and then Tokyo and then to Jakarta there in Indonesia. Um, they uh, are really looking, their population is just growing. Um, and, you know, it's about 17,000 islands. So they don't have a lot of land similar kind of to the UK discussion to be able to produce. So um, they're trying to develop as many partners <clears throat> interesting uh you know we could talk about dairy for example and so you know we're learning about them and uh well what uh you know what is the typical size of your dairy there in indonesian for them it was like three to four cows Right, right. So for us, when we, I mean, here in Oklahoma, we have a couple of operations, (laughs) right, that have several thousand cows. So you see the difference there. And then certainly the opportunity uh, for the U.S. to provide soybeans, dairy products, poultry products, um, and to um, kind of expose a broader audience to products. We had a really great event on the beef side Mm -hmm. uh, where they had their master chef, where they were highlighting a particular cut of beef and what they made have traditionally eaten as steak or beef is not what we would have here. And then, you know, when they're exposed to that, they're like, this is a fabulous product and we want to add it uh, to our meal once or twice a week. So Mm -hmm. um, lots of opportunity there. Uh, Wonderful people, uh, wonderful hospitality. I would liken it very much to kind of an Oklahoma type hospitality. So learned a lot. Um, I don't know um, that I would suggest the flight time to anyone, but uh, the, the trip there and the people were wonderful.
0: Yeah, Denver to Tokyo is not a small flight. Uh, right? No, it was,
1: a, and they're trying to tell you, okay, now stay awake until this point because yeah. then if you'll go ahead, stay awake, then you'll kind of get, because we're total 12-hour difference. Yeah. So if it's 11 in the morning here, it's 11 at night there. And so I don't know that I quite so got my off. times right, uh, but it was a wonderful opportunity.
0: Yeah. What did, um, obviously there's a lot to learn on the ag side, but just personally for you, just as, you know, Without the title, what what did you learn from going to Indonesia for the first time?
1: Oh, gosh. You know, the one piece that was interesting because we were um, in some rural areas and then in some more urban areas is just what the day in the life of someone there, how different that is for us here in the United States and certainly in Oklahoma, uh, just having the chance to talk to, uh, you know, one mom in particular, uh, very low income, you know, and she's working uh, what would kind of equate to three jobs a day here just to provide staples essentially for her family um and how fortunate um I am, my husband and I, our kids are just the opportunity that they have here in Oklahoma in the United States. I think it's always um, a wonderful reminder of how very fortunate and blessed we are. Uh, But then kind of combined with that, then I feel like there's a responsibility to us to provide resources and technology and access to uh, the developments that we have here in the United States to help people around the world, Mm -hmm. Um, because it can change even just some farming practices in a lot of the discussion pivoted to, you know, can Oklahoma State University coordinate with us in these different areas? I mean, there can be overnight changes in productivity for them when we have those resources, but um, it's a very um, stark reminder of just how tremendously fortunate we are to wake up here every single day.
0: Yeah, that's why I encourage people to travel. Um, you know, I, I've seen it because I you know, I didn't grow up here, right? And I moved here, and, and the only reason I'm here is because of that opportunity, right? Like I see it yes. every day, um, and even you know, even I've, I've been here twelve years now, and I'm still, you know, I still get reminded of it every time I go back home or visit, you know, a different country because. Yeah. When you live when you live here and, and you don't travel and you just kind of see the rest of the world on the news, you have no idea, right? Realistically, right. right. And then, like you said, when you go to a place like Indonesia, um, you know, even the UK, where it's, the UK is generally pretty, you know. When you look at the countries in the world, they, the U.K. and its countries, you would think is doing pretty well. For sure. But as far as opportunity, it's nowhere near what it is out here, and your worst day out here is far better than your worst day back home, in my opinion, as far as opportunity goes.
1: Absolutely. So. And if you want to work hard um, and uh, show up every day and do good things, I mean, you can kind of set your sights on almost anything, which is incredible.
0: Yeah. No, it's awesome. Uh, other than the flight over there, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'd recommend not going that far (laughs) on your first trip out of the country. Agreed.
1: Agreed. Uh, Yeah, do maybe a shorter, a little shorter
0: trip. uh, What other, do you have any trips kind of planned for for the fall or or next year? Any overseas stuff?
1: Um, Next year, we will plan to go to uh, Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of opportunity there and um, we have some great coordination um, with kind of our national group, which is all of the ag commissioners that they'll take uh, four or five of us together so we can bring kind of different perspectives from, Uh, the different regions, but we really just want to make sure that we're having conversations um, kind of across the globe, because um, sometimes we hear that someone's having an issue importing something or exporting something. And sometimes it genuinely becomes just like a paperwork issue, right? Which is so frustrating. Uh, But then you get that ironed out. Um, I had the chance to travel with the governor to Azerbaijan, um, I guess in 21 Mm -hmm. Um, and we were trying to do some ag pieces there. And so when I traveled over there, I was able to visit with their ag minister and it genuinely was just a paperwork piece that we got sorted out and it was great, but we thought, Oh gosh, this has been holding this up for a long time. We have a company in Northeastern Oklahoma that was trying to do some business there and we got it resolved. So a lot of times the relationship building and just really getting down to um, understanding the expectations on both sides, I think is very helpful.
0: Yeah. And then for, Like you know, you said you got ambassadors coming in today, tomorrow. Kind of that's like a regular thing. Uh, Is it kind of a similar conversation, or are they coming here to learn and to find out stuff? And you know, it's when you talk about someone coming from Bahrain, and like the sun shines a lot more. I assume in Bahrain than it does here. You know, but like there's a lot of sand. (laughs) Uh, But I I assume there's got to be similarities in the way that there's farming practices can be done.
1: Absolutely, right. absolutely, and so we can get we get questions sometimes about um, irrigation methods, um, and and too we certainly learn from them as well. But a lot of times, you know, these visits turn into how can we share um, science, technology, resources? Because the one thing from an ag perspective, and that's why I do love ag so much. A farmer here, a farmer over there, they're going to tell their neighbor. You know, they're going to yeah. share those resources. They're not going to say, well, I really know the best way to do this but I'm not going to tell you, right? That's not really an ag principle. Um, So we've seen, I think, a lot of um, kind of on the science and technology and research and development, how can, well, and two, learning ways to produce food in places where we haven't historically done it. Uh, So are we going to do greenhouses? Are we going to do hoop houses? Um, How can we adjust uh, to produce things that maybe we haven't done before? And Mm -hmm. I think we learn a lot on that side, but we can also share um, with other countries as well
0: yeah definitely Uh, I don't know why this came to mind but have you seen clocks and on Amazon Prime
1: Uh, Well, I have not seen it myself, but I have heard a lot, a lot about it. And I was actually in the UK last October, um, and we tried to schedule a visit, but they weren't uh, able. But I think it has brought, uh, well, just a lot of the reality of, I think some folks might think, oh, well, that's not challenging to, you know, raise (laughs) animals or have... Well, it is very challenging, and I think in kind of a good-humored way has brought a lot of that to light.
0: Yeah, the guy who Jeremy Clarkson, he's always... He's a journalist, car journalist, been in Top Gear for 30 plus seasons. And, you know, it's funny because he is the typical, like, useless old man (laughs) with, like, no, you know, with a very short fuse and a a lot of temper. And, you know, just, I think they just got cleared for a fourth season. Um, But just watching that, like, you're right. There's so many things that, like, can't be that hard. No, it is, you know, <laughs> and he just goes and buys sheep and they're just the oh, worst right. investment ever, right? And these all these things that he's buying and it's fun to watch it and it's, it's comedic as well, right? So it, that helps, but there's so many lessons in it and um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I'd be interested to hear whenever you get to watch it, like your feedback on, you know, what, how that compares to, you know, Stay over the you know to Oklahoma or yes. to, to Bahrain yes. or wherever that is. That you know, like I said, all farmers are you know we're all doing the same kind of work, right? But for sure, it's just for different sure. climates, different crops, and all that stuff. And but trying
1: to yeah. use your natural resources yeah. to produce the very best you can and make the best decisions you can.
0: Definitely. All right, finishing up uh, the Oklahoma Beef Council question, which yes. is my favorite question yes. this entire podcast um, because it's very hard to answer. Um, what is your favorite cut of meat? Uh, today because I'm sure there's today, more than one. Yeah, well, and,
1: I've, it, and it is a state steak, but I am a big ribeye fan. Okay. Um, now you'll get different answers at my house. Um, my, my daughter is a big fillet fan um, and probably really would pick a bacon wrap fillet if she got mm-hmm. to do that. Um, but at our house, it's we'd eat a lot of beef at our house, uh, which we love. And so um, they'll pretty much eat anything uh, that you put in front of them. But if, if I was going to pick or if I'm mm-hmm. ordering a steak at a restaurant i'm usually uh i like the marbling and the ribeye and it's a pretty solid go to every time
0: yeah definitely uh fall is you know it's coming it's cooling down soon uh what are you most excited for outside of the ranch meaning like actually outdoors and then what are you most excited for in the kitchen of fall back home
1: okay um outside uh it, fall is kind of my if oklahoma will be kind to us uh fall is one of my favorite times uh, just at our house because we do uh fall calving cows um and so you've got baby calves and cows and um everything cools down and it's a little more enjoyable the days get a little bit shorter and you get to be out there and see um how all your decision breeding decisions were working uh into the fall so very much looking forward to that and the kids start in a pretty active show season, uh, so that's good. Uh, the kitchen, though, I would much rather cook in the fall and wintertime than in the summer uh, because a lot of time it gets hot. You know, when you're super hot outside, you don't necessarily. So um, we do lots and lots of chili, which I'm not going to get in the chili debate about beans and hamburger and what all goes <laughs> into chili at our house. It's lots of hamburger and lots of beans, but you know, that's, that's maybe another podcast yeah, for you, like what is. really yeah. belongs um, in chili. But we do our almost every Sunday in the fall we do a roast so church and a roast on Sunday afternoon um is something that we really like at our house so lots of baking um and uh for us even though I like the longer days because you can fit more in we usually come in a little bit earlier in the fall and winter time so we get just a little bit more family time in the house too which is great
0: brilliant uh, thank you so much for taking an hour out of your busy day to share some stories and catch up it's always a pleasure coming down here um, is there anything that for people listening is there any way we can direct them to to maybe get more information or obviously check out Made in Oklahoma and, and the products there but is there anything else that you want to push people to that are listening
1: sure we really encourage you to go to our Made in Oklahoma website uh, you can buy, find those retail locations and find all those products there uh, just for ag in general um, you can come to our website which is agag. A-G, dot and find lots of links there uh, on market development side or even connect you to our commodity groups here in the state Uh, always encourage you for those moms or dads out there who are looking for good recipes uh, the beef council you can find more than you probably could ever use uh, there so uh, just encourage folks uh, to reach out and ultimately I do really encourage people uh, you probably know someone in ag in your community even if you live in an urban area Uh, so just ask them questions about ag They're probably not going to offer that up unless you ask them. But once you ask them, people in the ag industry love to talk about what they do. So I encourage folks to um, ask, especially some of our um, older farmers. They probably act like they don't want to tell you about it, uh, but they really are passionate about what they do. And um, I think just a great educational opportunity.
0: Brilliant. I'll put those links in the description down below. And for people listening, we will catch you next episode. Cheers. oklahoma business down in el reno they're also in bethany as well so people in the bethany area know the diffies really well but if you're looking for anything new used um ford lincoln or whatever i'm sure they could find anything you want um check them out diffieford.net and then on instagram at Diffie Ford lincoln This podcast is brought to you by the Oklahoma Beef Council. On behalf of Oklahoma's 50,000 beef farming and ranching families, we are working hard every day to bring high-quality beef to your table. To learn more, visit oklabeef.org. That's oklabeef.org, linked below.
1: Thank you for listening. We
0: are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too.